folks. Welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. And this is Eric, the ambassador of common sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the ambassador of nonsense. Welcome, everyone. And I think I'm going to move this mic back just a hair, because that looks a little bit loud. Um, Okay, so today's subject matter is uh, not easy to talk about. Not, Not because it's emotional to me, or you, really... But because it's just one of those things, neither one of us really ever know the no, right kind of thing to say <laughs> to people. The kind of thing, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, that there are people for whom it's a real uh, barrier to faith. You, usually people who are already in the church, and it becomes a real barrier to uh, staying with the church. And um, yeah, honestly, I, I don't know what to say. Not that I don't. You know, not that I don't understand all of the reasons why, you know, that it doesn't invalidate the church, you should stay in the church, blah, 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 so on and so forth. But um, all of the logic isn't really what they're looking for when when people bring this stuff up. So uh, the reason this came up is I was at a party last week and this guy who had heard us, he had heard our podcast, um, approached me. And it turns out he's he was a cradle Catholic, I guess, but um, never really big into the church. And he he was up in the Dayton area, and there was a priest up there. He said he uh, he he was like any other uh, young man, uh, teenager who wasn't really interested at all in religion. And then this priest enters and the his life and just kind of started to get him excited about being a Catholic. And mm-hmm. he felt kind of, wow, this is this is kind of cool. And then uh, the priest never did anything wrong to him, but then he finds out, uh, I don't know if it was a year later or what, but the priest uh, molested some kids. Uh, little boys. No, this I was think. a definite thing. It wasn't just that he heard accusations, but but that he he's certain no. that it really happened. Yeah, it did really happen. And the bishop. Okay. Took. A, he said the name as if I should know who that is, and I mm. pretended to know who that is. But um, he said the uh, bishop, you know, took him out and said, "We're going to move him where he's never going to be around children again." And then it was like five, ten years later, he found out that they just. Again moved him to another group of kids and wow he said after that he just now who who I, i'm going to interrupt real quickly here do yeah. you know what timeline this was who was the bishop at this time i believe it was it was Pilarchik. Pilarchik, okay yeah that's um in cincinnati so <clears> and, <throat> and i guess cincinnati archdiocese reaches up to dayton right um the thing is again the priest never did anything to hurt him and it wasn't, while there was some principle there, I it wasn't one of those deals where I, I think what pushed him over the edge was not the fact that this priest had done something so terrible. Uh, he was, the guy was drinking, so uh, there was a lot of talk that didn't really lead anywhere the way, you know, you do when you drink. Mm-hmm. Right, and, right. But, but what I got out of what he was trying to say was um, I, I felt like a fool, you know, falling for this guy 
and thinking, this is serious. Wow, this is great. And then all of a sudden, he's just a bad guy. And I, I don't hear a whole lot of talk about that when I hear, and we, I mean, we, we talk about, we talk a lot about these bishops and, and a lot about some of these bad priests and we talk about the damage they do and how bad they are and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what do you say to somebody who's, whose life was influenced by one of them? Not, not necessarily a victim, but, but as you say here, whose life was influenced by them and, and who, who are in a position where they feel like, um, well, it was it was this person's you know perspective on on the faith and on the church and so on and so forth that that got me really interested, and now I find out they didn't really buy it because look at what they're doing. Yeah, and I think I guess the the best way to describe the feeling that he I that it looked like he was trying to express to me is is like when you in love with your wife your whole life and then one day you find out she's been cheating on you and it's just right incredible right. punch That's, in the yeah. gut it's yeah. like whoa mm-hmm. that you're not now i don't know what exactly that feels like because my wife has never cheated on me but i have had a very <laughs> right. serious but, girlfriend cheat on me and it's okay. it's a devastating blow and it's like wow mm-hmm. i i just fell for everything i mean i i never even suspected and here I just been played for a fool, and I guess it that's what he was trying to express to me. And I thought, you know, mm-hmm. it it does make for a good subject. Not that I could really address it real well, but um, I I don't know if anyone can address it real well. But it no, but you know, it's kind of like uh, it, that. I think that's a good analogy because then you know, it's not like okay, my wife's cheating on me well all right we're gonna get a separation and 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 i'll go think about it while i decide you know of course the church says you have to forgive her eventually if you can't you know if if she's gonna stop and so on and so forth but the thing is it's kind of like uh you know take the situation with the 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 girlfriend or maybe even a fiance and you find out she's she's you know unfaithful um and then somebody's trying to make an argument to you that says, okay, yeah, you know, she was a bad apple. She did some really bad stuff, but uh, you still need to be part of the rest of her family. Yeah, you know, you you, be, you gotta yeah. you, you gotta keep visiting her parents and hang out with her brothers and stuff like that. That's that's almost kind of like what it what it's like then for for somebody I, like that. I imagine yeah. when you say, but you got to stay in the church, or even to a lesser degree, it's like, okay, this sucked. You got you got played here, but. Um, you can't give up on the idea of uh, marriage and faithfulness and stuff like that. Which that too, yeah, yeah. There that's are another, plenty of somebody could become jaded, right? People out there who have that happen and do give up. And I, I, I knew several gay men who I think turned that way because of girls that cheated on them. Oh, I knew okay. at least yeah. one, and there was another one that mm-hmm. I knew that I thought, yeah, hey, I think this is. I don't think this was someone who molested him. I think this was maybe he was already leaning that direction and suddenly decided he's turned off on girls altogether. I don't know. But either way, yeah, to to have to go in and uh, see her family once a week or visit them for Christmas, even if she's not there. uh, Right. But it being her family would just feel really awkward. 
So it's kind of like that when a priest, when, you know, when, when, when the priest who, who has become the face of the church for you, you know, your, your catechism wasn't done very well when you were growing up, perhaps, um, which is most cradle Catholics, you know, in the latter half of the 20th century and, and onward, um, so your catechism wasn't great, and so there's there's some priest, maybe it's some priest you know personally and that you, you know, meet and talk to and, and he guides you. Maybe it's a priest that that you have just developed a wow, okay, he really knows where it's at and and he's leading me in my spiritual life, but it's like a personality priest or something like that. Yeah. Um in either case, that priest for a time is the face of the church for you. Now, of course, you're supposed to grow beyond that um, at some point in your faith development, but but there's lots of people who are going to be in that position, and it takes years to get really well beyond that if you haven't been very catechized at first. So it's kind of like you're returning to the same kind of of uh, development that, that should have gone on between the ages of, of, of four and, and, I don't know, 13 or something. Yeah. Um, and so now he's the face of the church for you, and then that happens. You realize he's a, a scoundrel. Yeah, and the thing is that that's probably the case with way too many Christians in America, is that mm -hmm. w whether it's the Catholic Church or anyone else, their their relationship to the religion is through a specific person that inspired them or something, um, and... Instead of learning about the church and about God, they made it about, uh, I hate to use the word, they made it about fraternity. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's exactly what we're not supposed to be doing because the religion is about our relationship with God, not our relationship with our brothers or sisters. Mm -hmm. It can be. They link, but... yeah. It's, it's, you know, we're supposed to be unified in, in, in all pursuing God. We're supposed to be unified in helping each other pursue God. Um, and, and there is a communal aspect to the church, but not by way of personality. Um, yeah. I, you know, and, uh, the, that's the, the, the communion the is answer. Right. But, um, um, but, but, you know, how do you, how does somebody, psychologically speaking, how do they get past that? I mean, how do you even convince them that it's worth getting past? Yeah. That, that the beauty of belonging to the church, uh, is something that, that, uh, supersedes and overwhelms that kind of negative experience. Right. And it, it came kind of natural for us because the face of the church was, mom and dad for us our parents largely and yeah mom and dad and then a little bit older uh, we had even if it was a a you know a uh typical modern parish the priests at least while while we were growing up there in my experience were decent priests we had father mick uh later father wolfer yeah well the thing is though i i never developed any kind of relationship with any of them Oh, okay. <laughs> they were the guy who who stood there. I had there to go and, to confession too. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, you know, I go to confession to them, but they, I didn't, I didn't know any of them, and it was, mm -hmm. I mean, what I learned about the church, I learned from a book, and a book yeah. doesn't really disappoint you that much. If you do, That's if true. it does, you That's just true. close it and throw it away. 
and get another one. Uh, yeah. But but not that many people are learning through books nowadays. Uh, it it's almost when you talk to people who are uh, real deep in their religion, you almost it's almost assumed that a person somehow brought them to that point that they were that they were inspired by someone else instead of mm-hmm. that they just oh they looked into this stuff and oh okay well this this makes a lot more sense than all the other things people are saying but that's how it was yeah, with me yeah. so i don't even relate to having that kind of a relationship <laughs> with person in a church uh, you know i'm laughing because with <laughs> it was kind of like that for me but it wasn't even that it was uh um, I had even as early as sixth grade, <laughs> there were teachers who would say things that, um, the, 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 even meaning themselves to be Catholic, they would say things that I didn't like hearing. Uh, like there was one nun who said, well, you know, the miracle of the Red Sea was, you know, didn't really happen that way. It's just that the sea dried up enough. Um, at that time of year or something like that. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or, or yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, so I mean, little things like that, but what happened was, um, and then of course, you know, once I got into LaSalle, this even became stronger. Yeah. I Um, I, I, I basically went and read stuff, good, you know, traditional stuff as a sort of kind of act of rebellion. (laughs) against teachers so you can go in next time they say that out loud you'll have a rebuttal yeah i have a uh exactly (laughs) i wonder i see all of my kids have a little bit of that rebellion streak in them too and i several times i've like when they would go to the uh their ccd classes or whatever i would catch some of what the teacher is saying and i would Mm-hmm. On the ride home, I'm like, "Look, guys, I I have to tell you this. She's completely wrong. She's 100 percent wrong." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I would Isn't even it sad show you have them. To do that? I'd say you don't have to tell her this, but uh, you might want to bring it up. But um, mm-hmm. this is what the case is. This is what the church teaches. Um, so the yeah the it's 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 not a personal experience. Um. I don't want, that's the wrong way to say it. Um, our relationship with God never really relied on a relationship with another person. Right, right. I mean, we have to be introduced through other people. That's, that's the nature of the church. Yeah. Um, even when we're reading books, we're reading books that were written by, uh, doctors of the church, by saints, by, you know, people who are writing about saints and, uh, you know, yeah. but, but, um, but there's not, there's not supposed to ever be a cult of personality involved in our draw to the church. And I think today, because so many people are poorly catechized growing up, especially I think converts are a little bit less prone to, to, to that phenomenon than cradle Catholics, but cradle Catholics growing up and it's like the church is just ho-hum. It's a place where you get dragged to every Sunday and then you find that that personality that gives you a reason to become excited about what you're doing. Yeah, good. And, you know, he, he makes a good youth group and he makes everything fun mm-hmm. and all that. And wow, okay, there's something to this, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but it's really still just that personality. You haven't really, 
you know, you're, you're, it's like your, your, your own relationship with the church is still in a bit of a preteen phase during that. But I'm not, I'm not blaming people for being there. It's an, it's, it's a necessary thing. I think that people go through that, but they're supposed right. to go through it with their parents when they're young kids, not, you know, not when they're young adults. Um, yeah. And it, so, and it's not even, uh, it's not necessarily just a shallow thing where, uh, you're kind of completely relying on someone else's energy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if someone, invites you to go volunteer with them and you go volunteer at the soup kitchen or an old folks home and there's a good feeling with that it it makes yeah. you feel good so you start doing it more and you happen to be doing it with them and so it's not just their personality but they're still you're still basically going on a feeling yeah yeah instead of and really learning and you know, even if you get beyond that, let's let, let yeah, that's actually a good analogy. Let's let's suppose that it's that kind of a thing. So they introduce you to this particular soup kitchen. They you know run this this uh, uh, shelter mission downtown, and and um, you start going there yourself without them, um, even though they introduced it to you and took you along the first few times. So now it's something that you're both doing, but but you're doing it on your own, and then you uh, you start maybe doing more things for the kitchen, like, like running food pickups, uh, during some of their charity drives or whatever. And, and, you know, helping stock and whatever else, you know, people do it at, uh, at, at these kinds of places. And then you find out that the person who got you into all this, um, has been, you know, selling drugs to kids and, and, you know, maybe even uses the soup kitchen to, uh, somehow, front money you know as one of his channels or something like that okay well even though you've moved beyond him in terms of your commitment to that work it's still going to put a bad taste in your mouth about the whole thing yeah because it was so then it's like how do you get past it you know it's like you've got to you've got to somehow do some kind of cleansing in order to in order to maintain that commitment to the good work you're doing right and, and and then you find out that okay it wasn't just him but it was you know a whole bunch of the other guys associated with the same organizations and uh you know one out of every five or maybe three out of every five uh regional coordinators for this this soup kitchen network knew about it and and were turning a blind eye <laughs> you yeah. know as yeah, it's like okay wait a minute what am I doing? so <laughs> So how do you convey to someone this idea of the church as a supernatural body that you don't have to walk away from because of something like that? You know, um, to start with, I think we, you, you've at least got to, uh, examine what you thought about this particular priest and, um, and maybe why your own expectations are what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, for example, um, if you look at the changing relationship between a, a boy and his dad, I mean, he's a kid. His dad is pretty much Superman. Whatever his dad yeah. says is. And Knows then, everything, can do anything. Yeah. And then he turns into a teenager, and it's like... Um, 
<laughs> the opposite. But I, he's, he's so stupid. I can't believe my dad's so stupid. How did my dad ever get this far without me here to uh, uh, insult That's him? That's right. That's right. And then, um, you know, it, it kind of flips back again when you reach adulthood. But they start does... seeing some of the challenges. Okay, wait a minute. Dad's been through this. Uh, Dad, how did you yeah. handle this? You know, you start going to. It's it. He doesn't quite. Uh, it, it doesn't quite revert, but it it then becomes a more. It, it it develops into a adult to adult relationship. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But, but one that preserves that to, honor. You start to see. Well, he's just a human being, just like me, and. Uh, mm-hmm. He made some mistakes, and um, it is what it is. Now, you see the same kind of thing with um, things like like the fun uncle who comes over and drinks a lot and is loud and obnoxious. And when you're a kid, you, As think, a kid, you oh, think, oh, it's wow, funny. he's so cool. You know? Yeah. I wish my dad were that cool. But um, And then you see one of those old family home videos yeah. as an adult. And you think, wow, he's actually kind of a jerk. What a jackass. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's an alcoholic. He's a bum. He doesn't work. He, and you just, But you have to understand that um, most relationships are like that. As you move through life, yeah. your view of people and uh, even people who are very close to you is going to change. And it's because you're growing, not because they're getting better or worse. Look, the guy was, the the priest who did this, he didn't start doing it after he met you. He's always been that person. He's always yeah, been someone who could put on a, a, a mask and fool a bunch of people and then do terrible things while everybody's back was turned. Uh, you happen to grow and suddenly understand, oh, this guy's human being and he's a bad human being and someone I would want nothing to do with. But... Um, I'm just saying it. You have to start by understanding that. Yeah. But then there has to be a point where um, where you realize that this whole church thing and the religion thing really has nothing to do with him, and it's about your relationship with God, just you and God. Forget everything else. That's what the religion is about. You and God. And you know, and making uh, it's, that connection. Uh, I, I want to be careful here because it it's there's I I want to make sure that people don't misunderstand us and think that we're when we say that that uh, we're saying it in the same sense that a Protestant would say it because yeah, I think a lot of Puritans. Protestants are like it's it's you and God and there's no church you know you the, just the read church the Bible itself and, isn't and pray. I mean when we say it's you and God realize that the church as a total body not the individual people, the individual people make up parts of the body, but the total body of the church is the body of Christ. And so right. that's part of being, that's part of the God side of you and God. Uh, it's right. important to keep that in mind. But, you know, here, here's the other thing that I, I think people, um, if, if there was a way to, to convey this to people, that there, there's two things here going on. First of all, to recognize that Nobody ever in the world, except for Jesus Christ himself, nobody in the world ever brings holiness to the church. Anybody, yeah. The holiest saint receives their holiness through the church, 
from God. The church is a conduit of grace. And we receive holiness from the church. Never, ever the other way around. And so when you see these people who are within the hierarchy of the church and they're behaving so badly, don't make the mistake of thinking, oh, that's what the church is, you know, is is giving them is that unholiness. No, what they're doing is they're turning off their reception of holiness from the church when they behave that way. And the right. second even, thing is... Uh, even the Virgin Mary... Yeah, received was her made holiness. holy by God. Right, right. Through the church. Mm-hmm. And, and so the second thing is that one of the first initial fundamental things that, that we try to teach children as they're, you know, we're teaching them religion and that kind of stuff. And of course, pain is, and, and, uh, you know, the experience of others, you know, treating you badly and everything uh, from the very earliest childhood, you know, knowledge when, when you start getting old enough to have interactions with other people, mm-hmm. um, that's part of it. And so, you know, bad things happen. People experience pain. They experience meanness from other people. They experience, uh, you know, physical, environmental disasters and so on and so forth. God, and we tell kids from the very earliest age, God can use bad events, unfortunate events, tragic events, as well as the evil that other people commit in order to bring about good in those who trust in him. So... The saints were martyred. I mean, any religion uh, class worth its uh, salt, and and if you're if the class you have your children in doesn't do this, take them out and put them in a different one. Yeah. It is teaching them from the earliest ages about martyrdom, about people who die for Christ. And okay, well, the fact that they're dying is a bad thing. There are evil people who are who are committing these these uh, sins of killing them. But what is God doing? He's taking that evil act and elevating that person into uh, the the glory of martyrdom so that that person can then pray for us and help us to keep strong in our faith. So um, the point is that God can use evil people, people who do evil things, and even the very evil things that they do to his ends for those who trust. So if that one priest that happens to, you know, really be a creep is the one who got you excited about the faith. Forget the priest. You're excited about the faith. That's the good God brought out of that. Right. And if I don't know how to convey that about to the heart, then you were never really excited about the faith, right? About the faith. Think, and and that's something I think if maybe that's the thing is to, you know, if you're talking to somebody who's been through something like this, uh, through a disillusionment, um, try to get them to recall what they were really excited about. Chances are they really were excited about the faith. It might have been that that excitement was through the priest. It might have been that the the sense of companionship, maybe even a little bit of camaraderie, mm-hmm. fed into it and so on and so forth. But chances are, at some level, they really were excited about the faith itself. I think you try to get them to recall that and then point out, well, that was what God was giving you, and he was using an evil man to do it, but he still gave it to you. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much more <laughs> I can add to that. It's, um, again, it's 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 such a foreign thing to me. But I, I do kind of remember, like, um, 
What was that guy's name? He was on EWTN all the time. He was a priest. Oh, Father Karapi. Karapi. Yeah, I yeah, was. Yeah, he 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 was a bad bad one too, wasn't he? I was really into him. Now he was. Yeah. I don't think he was. He didn't do anything with gir- little kids or anything. He was just. Uh, it was just women. He had hired. I, I mean, I say that, and I, I think he was. Back I say on that cocaine. glibly, but yeah, uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, but and he. You know, for whatever time that he was in the ministry, to the monastery, and he didn't. Last I heard. Okay, oh, that's that's too bad. I mean, because you know his redemption is something we would want too. But you know, for that time that he was on EWTN, okay, uh, God used him as a mouthpiece or whatever, and probably brought you know a lot of people, you know, who who you know for whom his style appealed to them. Yeah, brought them into generally the the whole you know EWTN thing, and then of course the EWTN thing becomes the Catholic thing, and yeah. um, it kind of opens and, up and doors. people who yeah people who transition through that okay God accomplished that through him even though he went down a wrong path. Now I don't I don't I didn't get the impression that he was all along you know a bad guy. He had had no, some problems. He, he recovered. He became a priest, and then he slipped back into old habits or something like that yeah it was it was more about that i think he got caught up into the uh because it's not like the church paid him as a spokesperson or his entire ministry was his and of course he had to support himself and he had to support the ministry so he's he started making a lot of money and he got caught up into that i think i think it's just all that money and and the fame made it easy for him to slip back into old uh habits and that's probably what happened but well hey god uh, if you're listening um you know uh i I, we don't have old habits of cocaine and prostitutes if if you'd like to let our ministry make some money (laughs) yeah yeah i won't i won't get on cocaine and i won't hire prostitutes (laughs) Um, but no, no, I guess we shouldn't be quite so glib, but, but the point is now, of course, you know, Satan has his, um, has his, uh, well, okay. That's the, okay. That's, his goals too. So what, what is Satan trying to, to do to, because yeah, Satan is um, trying to use these guys to disillusion people. That that's his whole game. You know, I, one thing I said to him, um, and I didn't go real far into it is I just, why does it do this? This computer thing just keeps popping up, and it and it just says, uh, "You do not have a virus." Well, thanks. Well, I I don't I don't You've care. Got a virus Why are you that telling keeps me telling this? you you don't have a virus? <laughs> um, okay, where okay? The, you, I, I said, well, mm-hmm. look, let's say there is a God and there is a church, the way the Catholic Church describes it. Yeah. In that case, you have two sides: good and evil. God and the devil. Those are the two sides. There's not a third side. There's only all the way good or all the way evil. Or at least that's where you end up. So that means that the devil is constantly trying to get as many people as he can to come to his side. Don't you think that's where he would strike in the church? Yeah. In these men that we all look up to? You know, Mm -hmm. uh, the religious who have turned their religion into a career 
and are maybe even accomplishing a lot. But if he's got anything on them, he will use it, and he will try twice as hard on that priest as he will on anyone else. So basically, this guy's been taken over by the enemy. So does that mean the the good is bad now, or does it just mean that guy has switched sides? You know, you you can't switch to the bad side just because someone else switched to the bad side. Yeah, that's 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 a. Uh... That's you still got to be on I mean, the good side. If you say, side. "Okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to reject the church because some of the people in the church rejected the church." Yeah. That's that's kind of what that turns into. Yeah. And then I I mean, I guess you could I guess you could go back and say, "Well, I don't and, and I hear this argument a lot. Mm-hmm. Um a god that good would not have a church that evil or people in the church who are that evil." And um, I just don't believe that's God's church. Put it that way. I don't believe this is really God's okay. church. So there, these are the people who say. Uh, in, in fact, you know, there was a guy I, I um, briefly. Well, hold on a had second. A, a, okay, Bef- you've got more. Yeah, I. One thing I would have said to him and anyone else who was in the exact conversation that we were in. Um, see, this guy sought me out for a conversation. I didn't. I didn't approach him oh, okay. and try to talk to religion about him. And right. I would say, then why are you talking to me about this? Because I think oh. a lot of these people really do believe like that they're they missing want to something. Be because they want to be pulled yeah. back into the church somehow, and they're right. looking for someone to convince them. To to give them the, the reason. Yeah. You know what? And And actually, that's... The worst thing you can do is say, well, yeah, it's pretty bad, buddy. you got to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever you decide, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, you, you, it'll be the right thing. You got to find your own path. That, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. If people are crying for help to say, Hey, give me a reason to stay in the church. Give me a reason to stay on the path of salvation. That's the, the one thing we must do is give them the reason or right. give them some reason, any reason, anything that we can pull to our mind. I mean, the, you know, even if it sounds bumbling and later we think of a thousand other things we should have said and we feel like we said the wrong stuff, say something and then right. trust the Holy Spirit to, to, to work that. Yeah, I, I, that is a big thing. Whenever, you, whenever you're talking to someone who is in that kind of a circumstance is to stop for a second and say a silent prayer because you don't want to say the wrong thing here um, and chase them away. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, if someone has, is is openly talking to you about this, um, you know, in a discussion kind of way and, and not just, you know, like, like trying to throw, uh, you know, pellets at you or something like that for yeah. being Catholic, but in a real discussion, that's an opportunity. You know, that's that's... It could be even be you know the Holy Spirit set that up, so you got a you have a responsibility, right? The question is, are you going to let this one guy destroy everything that's good? Because if you reject God or you reject His Church, you're rejecting the good part in life because of this one guy who was sour, um, and it would have been like all the other apostles. When, when Judas betrayed Jesus and the other apostles were like, well, screw this, you know? Yeah. Or the disciples or the crowds of people, they all saw Judas 
betray Jesus, and they're like, well, mm-hmm. even the bishops are bad. How can we trust these people? Or even right, when Peter right. himself. Um, Peter himself denied Jesus, yeah. That's, and it's and like, if the others had seen that. <clears throat> um, now, of course, Peter was sorry for that, and Judas wasn't. And there are priests out there who are sorry, even though they can't ever be around children again, and they can never be trusted again. I'm sure there are priests out there who are sorry. I hope. Yeah. But, right, and there right, are also right. those who aren't. And, and you I know, guess they've both the got to be dealt with. Is, you know, to, to realize that, um, and, and this is why, you know, the, the bishops screening for the priesthood is, is so important. They, you know, completely, um, abdic- complete abdication of responsibility on the part of the bishops. Yeah. Um, in terms of screening for the priesthood and making sure that the priests that are, you know, the men that are going into the seminaries are real priestly material, um, and are going to stay the line on holiness so that they don't give scandal to the church and so on and so forth. You know, in fact, they have to be the men who are not tempted by these kinds of sins. Right. But one of the things to realize is that everybody's tempted by something. And there may be, you know, one person may have a temptation that another person simply doesn't have. They look at that person and think, wow, you must be some kind of sicko because you've got that temptation. Yeah. And, 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 the other person looking back may look at your temptation and think exactly the same thing because he doesn't have your temptation. Everybody's tempted by something. That is something now, some that people, I always try you know, to do for myself when I'm tempted to uh, be judgmental. And I don't even want to say be judgmental. Look, a guy who touches little girls or little boys, they're bad people. Yeah, he needs to be put away. Yeah, that's, or, be, or, you know punished and whatever he, he could be sorry happen. for it bad guy but then he needs to be kept away from kids sure that's that's fine but, but i'm not going to be the, the one to put him in hell that's someone else's exactly. job um, right and while i'm thinking to myself that is such a terrible uh thing i also try to look i've got a i've got a problem with food and you wouldn't know it because of how skinny i am but <laughs> i you're the one who I am half the cake so, every time. <laughs> uh, dysfunctional when it comes to food. It's like I'll eat a whole bag of candy bars for breakfast and then not eat anything until the next day and eat whatever I feel like that day. Is I just and every now and then I go in these little kicks. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm sorry, I'm dude. I would really hate to use the bathroom after you. <laughs> I I don't do that often. I'm just saying I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> My point is, I'm I'm almost without <clears throat> ability to fight off temptations when it comes to. I mm, might go yeah. a day without eating with without even noticing that I haven't ate yet. But on Good Friday, I have to eat. I don't even you know think why. about food all day long. I, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's there. Yeah, Good <laughs> Friday is the hardest day of the whole year for me, and but I just think about it. If food's my temptation. Um, what if, what if I had that same temptation for something so much more worse and so much more destructive? And right. Right. I, I don't, I, I would assume that me thinking about the fact that I'm destroying someone else's life, I would assume that would help me not do it, but I, I don't know. And there are people who, you know, it, you know because of sin, because of original sin that, that 
broke us as a human race. There are also people who have neurologic disorders um, that that is true feed into both the, the the kind of temptations they have and their ability to um, recognize temptations. Uh, you know, there's people who don't have the same emotional reaction against certain kinds of things. There's certain kinds yeah. of things that that you know we might think about uh in terms of uh you know like for example um i don't know i i like to i like to see how how things work i like to see parts i like to see them working together and that kind of stuff and then i think uh you know well it would be cool to to uh i don't know skin a live frog or something like that well but i have that emotional response that thinks about the pain and immediately recoils from that there okay. are people who don't have that Right, you know, who don't have that response? Okay, they have to go on purely a knowledge of good and evil in order to end on the right decisions. Right, because they don't have and, an emotional guide to it. And I think that's especially true with sexual sins. Um, yeah, especially yeah. for someone who has been abused, and I. I make assumptions because I hear them a lot, and I don't know if it's 100% true, but I've always heard that most of the people who molest kids have been molested themselves. That seems plausible to me. So It does to me, too, because if that's then true, they're then in a position. You've got a guy who he has this weird temptation. If he's, Catholic, if he's a Catholic priest, he knows it's wrong. Yeah. And his only defense against the temptation is the fact that it's wrong. And you got to remember, the devil knows that he was molested. Right. So the devil knows that there's something a little bit clocked in his mind and probably doesn't work the way it does for the rest of us. And the devil uses it. And, you know, when we are, the, you know, it, it sounds like a platitude, uh, a the you know about a uh idle mind is the devil's playground yeah that's actually more true than people realize when you are not focusing your mind on something the devil actually has the physical ability to plant thoughts in your head yeah so you take somebody who's already got the you know um that childhood experience maybe a childhood experience and and that person who was doing that to them was somebody that was a a caregiver that so that is their experience of uh adult affection and um and being taken care of and everything else and then maybe only you know after it's been going on maybe some years later maybe it long after it stopped is when they realized that there was anything at all wrong with it yeah well but now they've got that in their in their past that formed their sense of adult child relationships and now they you know they've got to constantly work against that you know there's a thousand and one reasons why somebody could be in that kind of a situation which is why bishops have to be much better about screening candidates for the priesthood yeah but the thing is i i I would think that with all our with all the things we're able to do Something like that should be much easier to spot, and the and this is how the bishops have failed us. Yeah, 
It, yeah, it almost because, sounded like we were getting yeah. ready to make excuses for people. We're not making excuses. We're saying, number one, this was the failure of the bishops, and that's why it's so important for the bishops to demand that their priests pro- practice sexual purity. And it's also, um, it, you should at least keep in mind how much influence the devil has over those people. And it's precisely because when that priest does something wrong, it will drive away people like you. And the devil knows yeah. that, and that's why he tempts him so much. Not just because uh, he wants the priest to sin, but because he wants those sins to trickle down into people leaving the church. That's the purpose yeah, of it. That's that's the devil's goal, get people to leave the church. So, you know, th- there was a guy... I. You remember, I, I don't know if you ever um, went to Old St. Mary's way back um, when they, they didn't used to have a Tridentine Mass at Old St. Mary's. This is when, when the Tridentine Mass was, you still needed an indult from the bishop, um, yeah. and, and mom was doing the thing at St. Monica's up by I remember um, that. I had never gone Clifton. to the church. Okay, so they had the, so the English talking, Novus Ordo Mass. Okay, yeah. so, so, so they had the English Novus ordo mass and there afterwards we would go next they had the building next door that the church owned and we'd go over there for for coffee and donuts and stuff and um uncle joe was always there and and i had met some of the people around there and we all kind of became a group um half the time i was grandma braden's ride there she you know she went there every week too um but we would all kind of gather there and talk and there was one guy there, and I forget his name, and I wouldn't say his name if I remembered it, but he brought this, this was like, this was way back, um, I mean, I, gosh, I was still, this this had to be like mid-80s, and some of the scandals were starting to come out of, of the priests, you know, being child molesters and stuff like that, Yeah. and he, he had this question, this guy, he said, here's the thing that, that really bothers me and that that makes me struggle uh almost even struggle with my faith but but you know it was more like a uh it wasn't that he was doubting his faith it's just like it things aren't making sense he says these priests they have to go to school to be a priest they have to go to seminary and they learn they have to study moral theology and all this kind of stuff and they learn you know about everything they know better than any of us that they're going to go to hell if they do these things and yet they do them anyway how can that be how can somebody who has studied that and knows that he's going to go to hell for it do that and i think something that we've been kind of slow to pick up on and it's kind of been coming out in little fits and starts people have sort of uh uncovered gradually what was really going on is precisely that these priests, as they were going through these seminaries, they weren't actually being taught that they would go to hell for bad thing, doing bad things. Right. Th- these priests were often going through seminary programs that may have even included classes that, that present the theological viewpoint, for example, that nobody's actually going to end up in hell, or that... You know, whatever you do, as long as you're truly remorseful, then it doesn't matter. You know, right. as long as you still also want heaven, you're going to end up getting heaven. Um, yeah. As absurd as that sounds. So, 
you know, that's one of those things is, is to realize that again, this, this, this lies at the feet of the bishops, uh, a whole generation of priests, probably two generation of generations of priests, um, have not been properly taught and formed as priests in the seminaries. And so yeah. you've got, they're not being screened well, they're not being properly formed, and then they're being thrown out into situations that they have not been prepared for in terms of temptations. Often they're priests that already have childhood baggage that's <clears throat> going to open them up to unnatural temptations. Um, so you've got a, a house that the housekeepers, the bishops, have completely neglected for years. What's that house going to look like? Right. And I, you know, you know here's the thing. <clears throat> and this, okay, this is the part that we're just now starting to get a sense of. And we don't know how bad it is and we don't know how deep it is. But it's, it's even worse than priests who uh, have been taught that they won't go to hell. There's actually groups, and we don't know how big they are, who are uh, purposely on the other side. Yeah. We, we, we know now that there are the some priesthood. satanic bishops who we, are... We knew that, that it was... We knew that the whole homosexual infiltration was going on. Now we're learning, yeah, satanic. It's even that worse it's, than that. So you've got worse than the, the homosexual. It's actually satanic. And again, I would point out that um, this is God's house. Satan wants to be in God's house, and he wants to drive all the faithful out of God's house. Yeah. He wants to corrupt it at its very core. Now, Jesus Christ promised us that it wouldn't happen completely. That that the body of Christ might get sick, but that. Uh, we would still have Christ as its head, and we would still have the truth. Yeah. And so far, he's done that. Uh, and so but, you've got, I mean, the, 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 the blinds are all torn and, and in tatters, and, and the uh, furniture is all ripped up and overturned, and, and you know, the, the uh, uh, curtains and, and, and the bedclothes and the upholstery has has disintegrated with age without being, you know, rejuvenated and, and that kind of stuff because of the yeah. uh, neglect of the bishops. So that's kind of like, like the house you're in. But, but you know what? That's the house. Even if, okay, what we've realized no is there's a lot of work to do, but, but you walk outside and you're outside. You're in the cold. So your yeah. options are either come into the house and start fixing it up or stay out in the cold. That's what... And, uh, and, that's what I would say to people is, is all right, I, this sucks that it happened to you, but you got to roll up your sleeves and you got to help us clean the house. Cause that's yeah, what, I mean, there's, that's what the lay people are trying to do right now. And it's, it's really difficult cause we're not getting any cooperation all the way up to the Pope, but it's yeah. still what we're trying to do. And there is no other house. You don't, you can't go across the street. You might think you can go over there and, and pray the Bible and and read the Bible once a day and say a few prayers and that'll be the same as going to church, but it won't be. You won't no. be in God's house until you come back to the Catholic Church. Right. Everything else that's is a kind mirage. Of the, that's the tough message that I I uh, 
And no matter how tattered the house to, becomes. It's hard to say that, but yeah. it's still the truth. Yeah. You know, the, my, a guy that I, I, for a short time, uh, actually entered into a, a business venture with, it didn't work out and, and we kind of parted ways, but um, he, he was also Catholic. And he was talking about how his father-in-law um, was um, kind of saying that, uh, you know, with, with the, the exact same thing with the, the sexual scandal and everything mm-hmm. going on. And he kind of announced that he had decided that he was going to go over and, and join the Episcopal Church. Now, this was before the Episcopal Church itself in, in America became, you know, went off the deep end. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you know now they've got the whole female ministers and 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 they're pro gay and everything else i think I, I think they're they're you know completely uh yeah. <laughs> out there but the thing is he you know back then the episcopal church was basically the american version of the anglican church which you know still had a lot of um a lot of the the forms of their prayers and sacraments still reflected yeah. their Catholic roots and so on and so forth. And so he said, well, yeah, I think I'm going to go over there because of all the sex scandals here. And um, so this colleague of mine, you know, was was telling me that, and, and you know, we're both engineers. Um, I think he's mechanical. I'm electrical. We were both really into software. Um, and when you do software, um and actually any kind of product development, but especially with software that is important, there's this concept called traceability. You got to start with the requirements. What do you need the thing to do? And then from that, you establish a design, but the reason for everything in the design is in order to accomplish what the requirements are. So the design has to trace to the requirements and then the same thing for the code. Uh, and then when you run your tests, you need your tests to trace to the requirements too. If you just trace your test to the code you might miss something so you got to trace it to the requirements so there's this there's this concept this word traceability figures very largely in that mm-hmm. industry and so i thought this was kind of clever he said you know the problem is you may think that you're getting yourself into a better situation but what you're really doing is giving up traceability because the catholic church is the only one that has full traceability to christ yeah that is true and it's uh, it, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we're gonna play house over across the street instead of instead of doing Being all the work the that's necessary. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like in America right now, everybody's everybody's arguing about the Senate, and it's like, wait a minute, guys, they just stole an election from us. Our elections don't mean anything if we let this happen. If we can't, yeah. If if we're, we're just let this playing house on. after this, we're pretending right. that our vote matters. And I guess, in some small extent, in these these little elections that really don't have an outcome because the same group of people are still ruling us, but it, we're still playing house if we don't uh, if we let this go. I don't right. know why I felt like I had to bring in politics here, but it's been driving me nuts. I've, it, it is. I'm me watching too. the the country. I I don't I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm I guess I'm like everyone else. I'm just scared. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. It you know, there's a few ways it could go, but uh, I I think 
I think I think something that is momentous and rupturous would be better than the path that we've been on of being gradually taken over by China. Yeah, I I think so too. And 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 we know now that it's like it's not even you know at one time you would say ide- it's it's the Chinese ideal that is taking over the, the right. their it's the communist point of view that is the taking concepts. over America. Yeah. But right. now now we know You're saying that no it's, it's, it's actually China. Literal China China control of major economic sectors. And uh, And it's really through those economic sectors that, that they mean they mean to achieve eventual control of you know of people eventually themselves. the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. That is the Chinese uh goal. Okay. I th- anyway. I guess we've exhausted the subject. Yeah, because we're moving on to other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I guess maybe we should move into current events. Yeah, let's talk about some stuff. Okay. Uh, so MasterCard and Visa cut financial ties with Pornhub because I read of something about that. Thousands of really bad videos, uh, rape, pornography, uh, child sexual abuse, and see, I don't. I would have thought Here's, that the FBI would have been using that the whole time to track down bad people, but. Yeah, why isn't that the case? I guess I I don't know. Maybe, maybe people can upload videos anonymously or something. I well, know. I guess that's what it was. But we we know there's there's really no such thing as anonymity on a lot of these sites. I mean, well, maybe there is. I don't know. I don't know well, enough use about VPN, networking is. to. Yeah, I okay. can explain that to you. Offline. Well, but yeah, you you can be fully anonymous, but. But here's the thing that, that kind of, I mean, people have pointed out, and it's, it is a, a victory of sorts, uh, that they're doing this. And so it's like, hey, th- there's a sense that makes me very uncomfortable of this. And it's, hey, look at this. MasterCard and Visa are severing ties with Pornhub because they are not exercising proper control over the videos that get uploaded. They're, they're uploaded. They're allowing themselves to be traffickers in, uh, True rape films, child pornography, and that kind of stuff, um, which is contributing to human trafficking. Uh, so now, maybe with this kind of pressure, they're going to clean up their act. Yeah. Okay. That's that's where it breaks for me. What do you mean clean up their act? They're a porn site. Yeah. You know what? If if as a society we're going to condone uh, the distribution of pornography as an industry, if that's going to be something that we as a society say it's okay. Well, we're going to have the human trafficking. We're going to have the child sex abuse. We're going to have yeah. the rape. We're going to have all of this other stuff. There's no cleaning up the porn industry. Pornography isn't clean. You it's... clean society up by getting rid of pornography. Right. Period. Um, I. I mean, I mean the the pornography itself is the objectification of the human body into yeah. a, a, a plaything, and it that never ends well. Never. Well, anyway, uh, Pornhub did do a bunch of. Th- I, I I don't understand. They it took all, some. They deleted a bunch of they, videos. Yeah, they deleted like a bunch of videos and made some new rules. It would be cool if Mastercard and Visa said, "You know what? 
We're not, we're not, we're not going to support porn. Do business with <laughs> pornography. You can't that use our card the... to buy porn. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. They do that with other things. They do that with a lot of other things. Oh, do they really? Um, like, like you can't use MasterCard to buy, I, I don't know, like, like, uh, certain kinds of, uh, uh, explosives, chemicals, maybe stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Things they uh, consider dangerous. Kratom, which is a legal oh. substance. Mm-hmm. It is an opioid, and I'm not complaining but it's about legal. this. It mm-hmm. is legal, and it could be, except for in a couple states. But yeah. so in Ohio, it can be sold. You can buy it at the gas station, but and I can buy it online. But if Mastercard knows that. That company is selling me kratom. They will not let uh, them use their service. Okay. So yeah, PayPal why not also. do the same thing for porn? Yeah, that's I mean, that I, would to be me, that's a that would be the big step. That's that's how to start. It's a start, but that's how to start cleaning things up. Yeah. when it comes to to human trafficking. But you know what? It's big money. I, I think true. there's pretty much money in it. That's true, and I bet Mastercard alone, because you know Mastercard gets a few cents out of every dollar transacted. Yeah. MasterCard alone probably gets millions from the porn right. industry. Okay, the you know there's another uh, virus going around H5N8. Uh, uh, they call it avian influenza. It's another. It's a flu virus. H5 H5N yeah. is a flu virus. Yeah. So there's okay. A, it's a bird flu, and and it's another bird flu. Yeah. But you know, wasn't but see, the, I don't okay. understand. Is this Wait, wasn't the wasn't the Spanish flu a bird or? flu? I don't know. Hold on, let's go back to where I was on this. We started here. Yeah, the the Spanish flu was H one N one. Okay, and it was a bird flu. Is this? Um, but is what did I call it? H H one N what eight? H5N1. Or H5N8. And and eight. And eight. Okay. That's what you called it. Um, okay, wait a minute. But it's not a people flu. Oh, so why are they worried about it? Because it's wiping out poultry farms. Oh, that could be a problem. Yeah, okay. That's a problem. Yeah. And then the H5N1. So what are they doing about it? Did, but wait a minute. Did it come from China? I think it came from Japan. But okay. H5N1, that was also a bird flu. H5N1, you mean H1N1? No, you, H5N1 and H5N8, it, because it compares it to H5N1. Oh, okay. Well, see, like, so like guess, H1N1. I, I thought there was another... I thought there was another flu going around. So, okay, H, H5N1 was an Asian virus um, that caused... Uh, why are there so many viruses coming out of Asia? Sure. Um, but it's a virus that originated in birds. Just like H1N1 originated in birds. Okay. I guess they're worried about it becoming a pandemic that will affect people. Right now, because H- I think... Yeah, H5N1 was, was the bird flu epidemic of... Uh, what year was that? Um, One of the less pathogenic... Uh, pathogenic subtypes for humans. Okay. It is beginning to become more pathogenic. For humans. Okay. So, so I guess yeah. they're worried about it becoming more... It's only a low risk to humans now, but 
it is worth it is wiping out um, flocks of birds okay and poultry okay. farms so all right so are they trying to get a handle on it do they know how it's spreading is it as far as I know they are but it, it is spreading through wild birds sometimes. Oh, that's the problem. Okay. So I've been seeing the, it pop up in the news. I've always ignored it, but I've been seeing it mentioned more and more in the news. Because I remember, like, with the bird flu, they they went on a campaign where they had, like, civic civilian volunteers taking shifts, watching the skies for birds flying across certain zones. You know, yeah. basically, they tried to quarantine, keep all the birds local. So, birds they would say, if you if you find zones, a bird, don't a touch it and, and and shoot them. Well, it's we're yeah, keeping you know. an eye on it now. I guess we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, and yeah, in the meantime, <laughs> we've got all kinds right of. I, I mean, they're they're shooting more and more to shut us all down again because of COVID. And which is yeah, that's the stu- they, they, they got more deaths from the fallout of these stupid COVID shutdowns yeah. than they do from the, the virus itself. You know, the thing you is... You know, what, what I think that, you know, the, the Fifth Amendment to our Constitution says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or the or uh, property, but it's that liberty part, without the due process of the law. And these governors yeah. just c- come in and give the word, no due process at all, and they're telling people, you can't open your restaurant, you can't go to a restaurant, whatever it is, yeah, um, I think I think Donald Trump should enforce the Fifth Amendment in the states. Yeah. Say no, you can't do that. We're, we're gonna right. we're gonna send our troops to keep your police from arresting people for exercising their Fifth Amendment rights. I would love it if you would do that, but we know what's going on, and yeah. if he's going to stay in office, it's going to be it's going to have right to be now. by force at this point. I think <laughs> he's a bit distracted right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of the things. So they're, it's got, but they're having you know, all these lockdowns, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at pretty much across the board. The left's mm-hmm. response to COVID nineteen is always to stop acting, stop doing business, stay home, don't do anything. And yeah. Trump's response is always to act. Let's make more masks. Make a vaccine. Make more more masks. Make a vaccine. Make Uh, more. Build a hospital. uh, Ventilators. Yeah. Build a. Yeah. Exactly. Make more room in the hospitals. All these things he's saying. Do this. And the left is always saying, "Don't do things." That's a good point. And it's just, it's so irritating that people. Well, go for it's it. It's so irritating <laughs> that the news doesn't report that people understand this. Maybe everyone mm-hmm. understands this. Well, then again, maybe not because I see people walking around as we've talked about with their masks and acting as if they're, you know, they're cool. Yeah, hey, this is great. They're, they're like religious because they world. put their mask yeah. on. It's silly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so the U.S. Senate approves. A $740 billion National Defense Authorization Act for the fiscal year of 2021. It was 84 votes to 13. Trump, this is enough to overcome a veto. Yeah. Trump objects to it because of the Communications Decency Act that provides legal immunity to social media companies. 
Why would they tie social media immunity to a defense spending bill? I don't know. Because they think Trump doesn't have the, the guts to veto it. That's probably no, why. He can't veto it. He can veto They've it, already... and then they have to go through the process of overriding the veto. It 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 gets the vote, and then he can okay, veto so it, even if... if they have enough votes to override it, but he can force them to actually go through the process of overriding it. Okay. Well, the the reason they I, – I don't know why they're doing this, except that, uh, let's face it, the uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube have helped – the, the establishment keep their jobs. Yeah. And so I think this is, this is what they get in return. Immunity, I guess, to do whatever the hell they want. Including, yeah, what is, what are including, they immunity from what? Are they talking uh, about immunity from, uh, from, cooperate from... with foreign, foreign enemies? Oh, okay. So now, China. Yeah, Google can cooperate with China. Russia. Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing. And I guess I wonder if this protects TikTok. Oh, that could be because wow, this is so bad. Especially These with, are the, with Google and I Twitter see. now saying. I mean, up, openly saying we're going to control what people are allowed to call true and non-true, right? On our platforms, and now that's going to be subject to you know we'll, we'll and we'll go ahead and answer to China on that, right? And I, yeah, and this is why on. I agree with you that, okay, let's say Trump somehow legally pulls it off and gets into office. That's not enough anymore. Yeah. No. Something's got to be done. China is taking over this country. Four more years of Trump will not stop it. No. So I don't know what I'm my advocating hope, here. I just my know hope that is that a massive rebellion against four more years of, of Biden maybe what stops it i would hope led by trump <laughs> hey know. you know what you know what we we you know the um, america uh we don't need a general rebellion america actually provided a model um for how to do this even though the model failed the first time around and rightly so um that doesn't mean that the model itself is invalid it's called secession a group of because we yeah. are a federation that's what we are at our core, a federation of states. A group of states can say, we no longer want to be part of this federation. We're going to form our own federation. We could elect Trump as our president. <laughs> yeah. So the big question is, um, I'm in Ohio, and Ohio isn't one of the states that secedes. Do I move or not? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I, you know. I Especially if I don't it know ends which up way becoming would a go, war. Actually. Yeah, that's, that's another that's, thing. People are... When I hear people talk about, especially uh, on the left, when I hear them mm-hmm. talk about conservatives who talk about secession, it's almost like um, they just assume that that would lead to war. And it doesn't need to. Yeah, as if it couldn't be done peacefully. Right. Which it could. It could. Here's the here's the difficult part about that, though. Here's why it would be difficult. Um New York, New England, and much of the East Coast down into Maryland and so forth, along with Washington, Oregon, and California on the West Coast, and, and maybe a couple other states out there, those those are your one side, and then everything in the middle is your other side. Yeah. So how does I that know. work? I know. You know, the, the, the geography makes it a little bit awkward. Yeah. Well, we just got to keep praying. 
Yeah. And be ready to act if called to. Uh, South Korea bans the launching of propaganda leaflets into North Korea. Oh, really? That kind of got me bad. scratching my head. I, yeah, That's why too would, bad. I wonder what their game is. I don't, I don't know. But it was something they've been doing for decades, and mm-hmm. now they're it's going to be against the law. Anyone who does it will face up to three years in prison or up to about uh, $27,000 in fine. I don't. Maybe there was some kind of negotiation that was done uh, that yeah. North Korea will break, and then they can go back to launching leaflets or something. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Uh, President Trump finally uh, fired Barr. Yep. I don't. I know. A little too late now. He's only got. Well, it's like I don't know. yeah. <laughs> it's like wait, wait until what could I be know, your last month in office to fire him. <laughs> I know what hindsight is like, but. To me, President Trump should have hired a guy and said, I want to see action within one month. If mm-hmm. you don't have someone in chains within one month, you're fired. Yeah, and then go else. on to get the next else. guy. Right. Um, the United States Department of Treasury formally labels Switzerland and Vietnam as currency manipulators. Really? Switzerland? Uh, Just yeah. because of, of their... It, their I wonder they if they're trying doing to that. manipulate the the cost of the U.S. dollar or the price of the U.S. dollar. Okay, are they actually doing that, or is is the is labeling them that a retaliation for the fact that the Swiss don't like to, uh, you know, they like to to respect people's privacy? Yeah, in, I don't in know. Switzerland rejects the label. I don't think Vietnam cares. Cares, yeah. And uh, that's all the they news I got. Both kind of puny countries. How much can they manipulate? Yeah, I mean, if well, it was Hong Kong, I could see. I mean, Hong Kong actually, you know, uh, uh, unchinified can, Hong Kong actually likes us. But but, but I mean, uh, you know, Hong Kong's a big financial power center. Switzerland could, yeah, that's true because they're yeah. they, they're a big financial power center too. A lot of rich people go to Switzerland, and a lot of a lot of rich bad people hide in Switzerland, don't <laughs> yeah, they? or at least hide their money there. Yeah, so Switzerland might be able to do it. Not so much Viet. I can't understand Vietnam. Yeah, trying to. I don't. Whatever. <laughs> all right, that's all I got, though. All right. Well, a couple of weird news is. Uh, in fact, I say a couple, and it, it really is just two. Um, so okay. Um, apparently, in Florida, they're having problems. You know, you think of uh, Florida, like down in the Ever- Everglades. Um, Obviously, you've got alligators. Obviously, you've got sharks. Apparently, they also yeah. have problems with pythons now. So they're training Python. dogs. Yeah, the snake. They're training dogs to sniff out and hunt pythons. Is this a... Are they not native to there? or? I think... I mean, they're called Burmese pythons. In fact, it's... So... So I'm thinking, no, they're not native. There must be things that people brought over as exotic pets, and then they... Yeah. Get tired of taking care of them, they let them go. It says there's they estimate between 100 and 300 thousand pythons in Flo- in the Florida Everglades. Everglades. They've been known to eat small alligators. Can you imagine that? That's so weird. Run out of alligators. I Do know. you remember a picture of a boa um, wrapped around a giant crocodile? No, I don't. Is that a a thing we had? Do you remember? Dad had this set of books and i can't remember who the publisher was but uh they were 
more or less science books. And there was one on evolution. There was one on mammals. There was one mm-hmm. on different things. And one oh, of the pictures... Oh, those ones. I, of always, those, I always would look at the one on space. I, yeah, I remember the yeah, books you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. One of them had a picture of a... It was a full-size crocodile, and it was wrapped or uh, up with a full-size... Uh, I, I guess it was like in the, the Amazonian... Yeah, probably a python. Yeah. Um, or anaconda, maybe. That, uh, that's what I was trying to think of, the anaconda. I don't remember that picture, but that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the, I mean, that's funny, though. I wouldn't have thought, but, but yeah, I guess it makes sense. Snakes are, are a little bit more versatile than the crocodiles. Um, but, you know, I, I would have thought that snakes would prefer softer-skinned animals. Um, in terms of food, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the the digestive tract can they even get through all them scales and stuff? Don't they yeah, cough up what, the skeleton, the or snakes? does that all get digested? Oh, no, yeah. it doesn't get digested. I don't know if they if they cough it up. Wait a minute, back yeah, out. it does. Does it really? Like like if they eat a rat, you know what? I'll have to. I'll have to it ask Bella. It back up? No, I I do remember a. Video, one of those wildlife videos, the Mutual of Omaha, I remember they showed a snake eating a egg. Yeah. And it swallowed the egg whole, and right. then like five minutes later, it coughed up the shell. Okay. You know what? I bet I bet they do cough the skeletons back out. But I... So may, maybe they can a, do that with alligators, too. Bella's Scales got a uh, uh, snake, and um, I don't think it does. I think it does digests she feed the rats? Mice. Ask her. Hold on. If she's there. Bella, your snake, when you feed it a mouse, does it just digest the whole thing or does it cough up the bone? Okay. It digests the whole thing. Okay. So, it digests yeah, the I whole thing. I don't I had to say it that's twice because I didn't know how close to the mic I was. Oh, yeah, we heard you both times. No, that's some digestive system. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, so I guess... Uh, like hydrochloric acid and it's uh, or sulfuric acid as its digestive juices or something. Well, of course, you know if like if you're feeding a dog, um, if you like give it chicken bones, to feed him chicken bones because the bones are cooked. But if you feed it uncooked bones, it can eat those and it will digest them. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's what I was told by a dog person. Oh, okay. You said okay. if you got raw chicken, you could throw it the whole thing. It'll eat it. It'll crunch the bones, and it will digest them, and it won't hurt coming out. But no if you give it raw bone or cooked bones, it 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 can actually cut up their insides as it's oh. moving through the system. Yeah, because they'll they'll eat the bones regardless. So I guess it probably does digest the whole alligator. <laughs> wow. Anyway problem in florida apparently okay so hope they take care of it yeah all right because the everglades are cool we need the alligators <laughs> right all right uh and so my final point um apparently the uh city of gary indiana um uh, service indiana, sanitation gary, exactly that gary indiana um, does an annual light show to set to music with animated faces on porta potties that lip sync to the songs. They call Wait a it minute. the. Yeah, you heard the, that right. 
So you've got a set of porta potties, and they just they they shine a projector on it like that. Uh, it looks to me. I mean, I'm looking at an image, and it looks like they what they do is outline it with with those like lines of um, uh, LED strings that that form different lines that they can light up. Okay, so it'd be more like Christmas want. lights flashing in different ways to make it look like it's talking. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They they call it the uh, what is the the Jingle John's a lighted Lou experience, and part of it they say uh, set set the record for the most animated faces on a single holiday light display. They had a thirty two toilet, th- yeah, thirty two toilet rendition of Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know if I like. Have you? Ever I don't know Gary if I Indiana? like that or not, huh? Have you ever been to Gary, Indiana? I've been through it. I have, I have to drive through it once in a while to go to Chicago. Okay. So I had to drive through Chicago and I had to drive through Gary, Indiana on Yes. On the way back from Chicago I went through Gary, yeah. Indiana. And Very depressing. It's you like what. the whole city is like take take a depressed part of say Cincinnati and it's like the whole city yeah. of Gary, Indiana is like that. Right. And it's like there's a toll booth every five feet. And I don't know if that was right outside so of bad. Gary, Indiana, or I don't know where I was that I kept hitting these toll booths. I was, yeah, I was trying to get away from Chicago. Man, Chicago is so huge. Yeah, you drive two hours and you're still going sixty-five yeah. miles an hour, and you're still in Chicago. Just getting, yep, yep. I know. I had no idea that That's city awful. was that big. Um, but, well, you know, Chicago is—it's like the. Uh, Illinois used to have their, um, uh, they used to vote by, when they were selecting, uh, I forget, I think it was their senators, they were selecting like, like each county would get a vote or something like that. Yeah. And there was a Supreme Court case, um, that under the doctrine of one, one man, one vote, or one person, one vote, um, they said, no, you can no longer do it by county. Basically, everybody in the state gets to vote and then, just the popular majority decides your senators that you send to the U.S. Senate or whatever. But the thing is, there's enough people in Cook County alone, which is where Chicago is, to overwhelm the entire rest of the state. If everybody yeah. in Chicago voted one way and everybody in the entire rest of the state voted the other way, Chicago wins. Yeah, that's believable. It's so huge. But I was trying to get away from there, and I was headed mm-hmm. toward Gary... Oh, so and it just south. seemed like every every uh, twenty minutes, I was stopping at a toll booth to pay a toll, and some there's of them were like. $10. There's a section of Chicago I mean, that's were, like that. Yeah, expensive. It there, there's a section expensive. of Chicago that's like that. I don't know. I don't know if Gary has toll booths, but there's. I might have still been in Chicago. Chicago. Like I can't remember. I it was it was actually dark, and I just wanted to get home. Yeah. But uh, wow, gosh, it's quite a place. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you're lucky enough to go to Chicago, or uh, to Gary, rather, maybe you can uh, check out their singing Porta Johns. <laughs> I, if I have any reason to be in Gary, Indiana, I will try to find the singing Porta Potties. All right, that's all I got. Just the two stories all this right. time. Well, folks, think about what we said, and as always, circle the beads. Circle the beads. Keep circling. And uh, be ready for... I just keep saying it. Be ready for action. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, 
All right, we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.